Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, quipster.net. I invite you to go there, check out the nearly 4,000 reviews in written form anytime, quipster.net. You can also find some exclusive reviews that I do there that I don't do right here on the podcast. So if you want to get all of my reviews, go check out that website, qwipster.net. Today I'm going to be looking at the eighth film in the Fast and Furious franchise. It's called The Fate of the Furious. It's an action thriller, PG-13 rated because of prolonged sequences of violence and destruction, some suggestive content, and language. The runtime is two hours and 16 minutes. The stars are Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson, Michelle Rodriguez, Charlize Theron, uh, Jason Statham, Kurt Russell's in this, Scott Eastwood, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris. Chris Bridges, Natalie Emmanuel, and uh, many others. F. Gary Gray is the director, and Chris Morgan provides the screenplay, if you want to say that this really has a screenplay to tout. As the Fast and Furious movies have continued, they've gotten progressively bigger. In some cases, they've gotten better, but also a whole lot sillier along the way as well. The Fate of the Furious, this is, as I mentioned, the eighth film in this very lucrative franchise. It's perhaps the most absurd of all of the series so far. Now, without the touching goodbye to the franchise favorite Paul Walker, who died shortly before the end of production on the seventh film, The Furious 7, to add some extra dimension and weight to a series that had been sorely lacking in that area, the makers of F8, as I'll call it from here on out, They double down on the CG-infused set pieces, and they figure that if they cannot warm our hearts with tearful goodbyes, they might at least numb our minds with a lot of jacked-up and explosive demolition derbies. Now, in this entry, we open with Dominic Toretto, played by Vin Diesel. He's on a honeymoon with his beloved Letty, played by Michelle Rodriguez, in Havana, Cuba, where, of course, Dom gets into a bit of racing for pink slips on the never-too-crowded city streets of Havana. Dom finds his day not entirely blissful because he's confronted and then blackmailed by a strange woman called Cypher, played by Charlize Theron who reveals herself to have something on him so powerful that it would make him turn away from all that he holds dear, which is his newfangled family of carjocks, in order to go rogue, go against them, and then perform a top-secret mission for the cyber-terrorism organization that she heads. Now, it's up to the rest of Dom's crew to figure out what's making their buddy turn bad guy. They join forces with government goon Mr. Nobody, played by Kurt Russell and his by-the-book assistant, with uh, series newcomer Scott Eastwood, in order to throw a wrench in Cypher's plans to upend the world order that she's threatening thanks to Dominic's success at the nefarious missions that she gives him. Now, I realize that no one goes into a Fast and Furious film for the plot, because if they do they're going to be shocked at the amount of liberties taken in terms of physics, in terms of plausibility, and also erroneous understanding of how government agencies work around the world, really. F. Gary Gray, he takes over the directorial duties from the one-and-done Furious 7 director James Wan, and he does fit right in with the aesthetic and the vibe that we've come to know and expect from the series. He even brings along one of the stars of his own attempt to start a car-dominated franchise with the Italian job back in 2003, Charlize Theron, of course, whose character concocts a scheme to gain power rare to find outside of a madman in a James Bond flick. 
No one really watches these films for their acting performances either, but that doesn't stop the makers of this film from casting respectable actors like Theron and Helen Mirren, and then proceeding to give them roles that anyone with some sort of screen presence and similar name recognition could do. In this way, the Fast and Furious films really have become not very much different from superhero franchises that seek to do the same by continuing to build their ensemble of likable and recognizable actors with various skills, trying to save the world from destruction from maniacal baddies seeking ultimate power. The biggest difference here is that there is virtually no sense of remorse for the countless amounts of nameless and faceless cops or innocent bystanders that these good guys so supposedly maim or kill or severely jeopardized the lives of along the way of fulfilling their mission. There's a prison break sequence that likely results in the deaths of several cops, and that pales in comparison to the amounts murdered through this one sequence that has a wrecking ball smash into whole lines of cars along the way and unleashing another crazy sequence that's just meant to make us laugh or guffaw or wince, depending on what they are aiming for in every particular scene. The film does clock in at a very lengthy, especially for such a thinly plotted endeavor, two hours and 16 minutes. I don't think that uh, series fanatics are going to mind, given that they're tuning in here for massive set pieces involving all manner of fast-moving vehicular destruction. Logical sense be damned, the intro sequence features a car that drives faster in reverse than forward, for instance, but... You know, self-driving cars are not much out in the real world as of yet, but that doesn't stop the makers of this film from using the idea of them anyway, because Cypher orders all of those self-driving cars within a certain area to be hacked and used as, she calls them, zombies, to chase and destroy our heroes. And she even makes them rain in one sequence down from New York City parking garage openings up in the upper floors of these parking garages Those parking garages seem to have put up absolutely no walls or safety impediments other than glass windows to keep cars from potentially killing careless drivers and their passengers, not only driving the non-self-driving cars, but also those down below. Seems kind of far-fetched to me, but so does everything else in this movie, and the climax of the film even has the chutzpah to have drivers speeding over icy tundra in Russia, which is preposterous enough without also adding the insane idea of having them try to take out a nuclear sub while they're doing this. The fate of the Furious is very much in keeping with the meathead formula of the rest of the series, and that means that regulars to this series will leave satisfied, but those hoping that newcomer F. Gary Gray might explore areas we have not seen before are going to be sorely disappointed at the missed opportunity. Though, to be fair, he is saddled with perhaps the worst script out of any of the Fast and Furious films to date. And yet, even substandard elements are necessary to avoid scrutiny. For those viewers just looking for lots of cartoonish action sequences, eye candy destruction, and a few low-grade yucks. So, as it is, it's a critic-proof franchise. It's about as hard to destroy with negative reviews as any muscle car speeding down a city street with Dominic Toretto behind the wheel. I'm giving The Fate of the Furious two and a half stars out of four. Two and a half stars on my scale means that it's kind of a middling effort. I do feel if you were to rank all of the Fast and Furious films, it would be probably right there at number four, number five, at least for me. The only two that I've liked so far are Fast Five and The Furious Seven. So this one is going to be falling just below that because 
It just really didn't encroach into new territory the way that those two films managed to do, even though they were also, you know, just as ludicrous in certain respects. This one lacks some of the ingenuity and the sense of freshness, so it's really just for the fans of the series who I think will find it reasonably watchable and probably largely enjoyable if they've stuck with the series this far. And, of course, that is going to mean another billion-dollar box office for the makers of this franchise. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. I do want to remind you, if you want to get more of my podcasting work, you can also subscribe to the In Session Film Podcast. I do reviews along with J.D. Duran and Brendan Cassidy on the extra film segment of that show, so check that out, InSessionFilm.com. Don't forget my website, Quipster.net. You can find my contact information there, as well as links to my Twitter feed and Facebook page. And you can get in touch with me, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net.